here on CLNS Radio. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is Bobby Kavitsky, at Bobby K underscore 91, also on Twitter. You can follow, of course, the CLNS Radio at, at CLNS Radio and the Patriots Beat Podcast at, at Patriots Beat. And don't forget to find us on Fre- Facebook, www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans. New England Patriots lost a heartbreaker last week to the Green Bay Packers as they fell to 9-3 and on the season. Things do not get any easier as they go forward across country. Good thing they flew right out of Green Bay, but across country to play the San Diego Superchargers. Bobby, what are your thoughts on this game coming up and a little bit with what happened with Green Bay? Well, after the loss last week to the Packers, the Patriots now have to run the table most likely in order to preserve home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And people are looking at just win this game and everything is gravy. Let me tell you, Miami's got plenty to play for. Buffalo is still in the playoff hunt. And going at New York to play to the Jets, that's never been an easy game for the Patriots, no matter how good they are and how bad the Jets have been in the past. So this is no cakewalk. No, definitely not. I mean, these next four games are going to define the New England Patriots season. Uh, San Diego played on the East Coast last week against Baltimore, a game where they fell behind and they had a miraculous uh, recovery and won by one point. So they're on a high right now, sitting at 8-4, and four, just one game behind the Denver Broncos in the AFC West. They're a game ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're fighting for that AFC West just as hard as – as Denver is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with the uh, San Diego Chargers and the Denver Broncos. Look at that Denver schedule. They got Buffalo this week. And if it was in Buffalo, I might give a shot to the Bills, but it's in Denver. So that's going to be tough. Then, of course, they've got uh, San Diego and Cincinnati. Both of those are away games, so they could possibly drop a game there and they finish it off against the uh, Oakland Raiders. So that's an easy win there for the uh, Denver Broncos. So yes, the New England Patriots are going to need some uh, some help to get home field advantage. Yeah, they're going to need some help, but really, it they control their own destiny. Just win out. You're the best team in your division. Two of those three are at home, so you should take care of those games. And After last week's loss, the Patriots rarely have lost back-to-back games in the Belichick and Brady era, so I expect them to be focused. They've been out in the West Coast all week, so they've had plenty of time to adjust to the time change and the weather, so there really are no excuses. They should be focused and locked in come game time. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more there. I think it was a brilliant stroke of genius there by the Patriots and their coaching staff to, you know, they were halfway across the country, just continue that flight, a short flight across country, and practice all week long. You're going to get used to, not that this real heat this time of year in San Diego, but, you know, it's 70 degrees every day. It's a beautiful part of the country. Um, so the Patriots are acclimated to the weather. They're not playing here in the drizzle and the rain and the fog and all that other stuff. They're out there. They've had the time. It's, it's a business trip. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue the good play that they've had over the last six to seven to eight weeks. And I even look at last week's game, and while I don't think the Patriots played their best game, they went into Green Bay, spotted them 13 points, and only lost by five. It was a very 
strong performance, especially in the second half by the New England Patriots. Yeah, a few plays go the Patriots' way, and they very easily could have won that game. Most notably, the Jordy Nelson touchdown to end the first half. That was a real backbreaker. And then Rob Gronkowski, not that you can fault him, it was a difficult catch, but if he holds on to that touchdown at the end of the game, then they probably hold on to win. Although, Jeff, I got to be honest, for me, the Patriots' struggles offensively was entirely on the play calling. And here's my line of thinking. The Patriots saw that Green Bay does a terrible job of defending the deep part of the field and put such an emphasis on exploiting that that they got away from what's been the bread and butter of this Patriots offense really throughout Tom Brady's entire career since he took over as the starting quarterback here in New England. And that is the quick passes, the short game, deception. That's the way the offense, that this offense thrives. It's never been the deep ball outside of one year with Randy Moss. So for them to put such an emphasis on that and get away from what's made them successful all these years really was a bit baffling. And I know you're going to harp on the running game, and you're absolutely right to, because they should have run the ball more. No excuses. LeGarrette Blount was gashing that defense, and they just did not stick to it nearly enough. Bobby, you're 100% right there. They got away. Now, we talked about it on the last time that we had a Patriots beat. Of course, we did not record last uh, week with the holiday, but the last time we talked about the Patriots, we talked about how they uh, were a chameleon offense and how they changed week to week. And we had looked at, uh, we had foreshadowed up to the Green Bay game and thought that maybe they would become more of that power running team against Green Bay. Unfortunately, they didn't. You're right. They tried to attack the mid to deep end of that field. And unfortunately for the Patriots, yeah, it's all well and good, but you don't have the horses right now to do that. You don't. I mean, they, I mean, Randall LaFell is a great story this year. He's doing some great things, but he's not a deep threat. You know, your, your, your deep threats, Tim's and he hardly got on the field. Your other deep threats, Aaron Dobson and, well, unfortunately, his nightmare second season continued as he's been put on IR, but they did. They tried to attack the, the mid to deep of the field. They tried to get Gronkowski out wide, and it didn't work, and they got away from the power run game that probably could have kept Aaron Rodgers off the field a little more, and i got to say one thing. I'm impressed with Aaron Rodgers. Right now, to me, he is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't think you're going to get too much of a debate from anyone on that opinion, Rodgers, I think, has definitely proven to become the best quarterback in football because he can do so many different things. He's smart. He reads defenses and coverages very well. He's mobile, can make plays on the run. He's got a terrific arm, can hit throws at all three levels. And you saw it most notably on third down conversions. Green Bay converts 10 of 17. And if you're New England and you give up 10 first downs and allow that many extra possessions to Aaron Rodgers at home, no less, you might as well just put the points up on the board and let them go kick off because it's automatic. And it was throughout this game. It really was. But the one thing you really have to look at, if you're going to have a silver lining in this, is the fact that the New England Patriots held them to field goals every time they got down to the uh, to the red zone. So if there is a silver lining, it's that. It looked like the Patriots... Uh, game plan for the uh, Green Bay Packers was that simple bend, don't break. Don't let uh, Aaron Rodgers beat you with the deep ball. 
they did have the one deep pass, and it wasn't even a deep pass. It was a simple slant. They were in man-to-man coverage with Deb McCourty playing center field, and for some reason, you mentioned it. You mentioned the Jordy uh, Nelson touchdown being a turning point. That's a huge turning point there. The Patriots hold the the uh, Packers without points. They go into halftime at 16-14. to 14. It's a completely different game. Unfortunately, McCourty is very much out of position. I know that Nelson beat Darrell Rivas to the inside, but if I, I ask anyone who's got the ability to go to game uh, rewind and NFL game rewind and watch it, you'll see Deb McCourty starts going to cover a, the deep right third of the field when his assignment should have been to cover the center, and he's beaten to the inside, or Darrell Rivas is beaten to the inside, and there's no safety help. Unfortunately, that's one of those change plays. You already talked about Rob Gronkowski. If he comes down with that catch, um, you know, it's tough. It was in his hands. He bounces on his back. It's gone. Uh, credit the defensive player for playing there. And then the third key is the uh, is the third and four that Randall Cobb uh, was able to catch at the very end to, uh, to, to move things forward. So that's putting a bow on the Green Bay Packers versus uh, New England Patriots last week. I have a sneaky suspicion we might see these two play play again uh, in the first Sunday in February. I certainly hope so. That was a terrific football game in Lambeau Field, and I would love to. These are certainly two of the best teams in the NFL, if not the two best teams. So there's many people, especially Patriots fans, who would love a rematch in the Super Bowl. Exactly. And our, and our own Billy Wyatt uh, posted after the game, why do Patriots fans want to see the uh, Green Bay Packers again? And he posted how all their drives and how they went long. And, and my thought to that, my sentiment to that is Green Bay is beatable. They are very much beatable. That is not a team that the Patriots can't beat. Um, you know, given a play, uh, film to look at again, given a couple plays, you're playing in the frozen tundra. The Patriots can definitely come out and compete with Green Bay on a neutral site. Moving on from Green Bay, though, now, let's, just a couple little things here that I want to talk about. Number one, one of the big topics um, over, the, uh, over the airwaves this week in Boston uh, was Tom Brady and using the F-bomb on the sideline after that third and full was completed. And they're getting upset. Someone sent an editorial into the Boston Globe saying, you know, uh, Tom Brady should show more class than that. You know, he's got fans. He's got kids that are watching this. Well, I hold that on CBS for showing it. Your thoughts there, Bobby? I didn't have a problem with CBS showing it. I don't see how you can blame Brady for the emotion in the heat of a game at a moment that just clinched victory for the Packers and defeat for the Patriots for being upset and for letting his emotions get the best of him. I don't see how anyone can fault Brady. We know what type of competitor he is. And for CBS, they show players all the time on the sidelines throughout games, especially one as high profile as Tom Brady. Exactly. So I don't have an issue either way. And I I look at the person uh, that wrote that article or the editorial into the Boston Globe. I'm wondering if – you know, after the terrorist attacks on the um, Boston Marathon, when David Ortiz came out and said, this is our effing city, if he wasn't cheering. Because, you know, okay, big deal. It's a little bit of colorful language. You know, my my kids watch the game with me, and they don't have an issue. I don't have an issue with that. 
it's not like you heard him say it. You know, he just came out and had some had some uh, choice language, and it happened. Yeah, I got no problem with it whatsoever. To me, it's really a non-issue. Yeah, it definitely is. So, all right, let's uh, let's look back as you can hear my kids in the background <laughs> there. But let's uh, let's move back and and start looking at this game Sunday night on Sunday Night Football against the San Diego Chargers. Chargers look like they could be a tough matchup for the New England Patriots. First of all, they're coming back off a very good win last week against Baltimore. That's a quality win against a quality opponent. They have receivers that can catch the ball. In Keenan Allen, third-round pick uh, last year, why can't the Patriots get draft <laughs> picks like that to play? You have Malcolm Floyd, who's good. You have Eddie Royal, who's good. And then you have Antonio Gates to go along with Phillip Rivers. How can the Patriots stop that attack? Yeah, you look at San Diego. They do this every year, don't they, Jeff? They started out 5-1. and one. They were red hot. And then they cooled off. They lost three straight games, including a blowout, 37 to nothing at Miami. But they regrouped over the bye week and have gone on to win three straight, most impressively just coming last week on the road at Baltimore, where they pulled it out in a game that seemed like they were poised for a defeat. So this is a team, like you said, with a lot of weapons offensively. Green Bay had success going to their fourth and fifth options. San Diego can do the same thing. So a banged-up Kyle Arrington and Patrick Chung, these guys are going to have to step up in coverage. I agree with you there. And exactly, they're playing well now. They've won three in a row. Now, granted, they've been some tight games, uh, you know, after the bye, after getting absolutely blown out. And they had a, they had a three-game stretch that was a pretty, pretty tough stretch, uh, sandwiched between the two Raiders games. Uh, they lost first to Chiefs. They lost against the Broncos, and they lost against the uh, Dolphins. And they, as you said, the Dolphins, 37 to nothing. They came back after their bye with a 13-6 to win over the Raiders. You know, ho-hum, it's the Raiders. But the Raiders, of course, beat the Chiefs and played the Patriots pretty well. Then you, they beat the Rams. Granted, it's at home there, and they beat them 27-24. to The same Rams team that put a hurting on the Denver Broncos. And then last week uh, against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. So, Extremely tough for the uh, the Patriots to go into San Diego, and there's going to be a lot riding on this for San Diego because, as I said, they got the Broncos coming up. They're still in the hunt for that division, um, and of course, they've got uh, after that they got the at the 49ers and then at the Chiefs. So we talked about the Patriots in the six game stretch that's coming to an end now uh, in San Diego on Sunday. How hard of a stretch that is. Well, let me ask you about this stretch to finish the season uh, for the San Diego Chargers at the Ravens, home versus the Patriots, home versus the Broncos, then at the 49ers and at the Chiefs. That's that's a tough schedule. I don't think it would surprise anyone if the Chargers went 0-4 to finish out the year and missed the playoffs entirely. You know, this week against the Patriots and next week at home against Denver might be their two best chances at a victory. And that's saying something right there. That's a testament to how difficult this end-of-the-season stretch is for San Diego. So we talked about them coming together after the bye week, and they've got three straight wins to their credit. They really better come together down the stretch now this last month of football because that is a gauntlet right there. That's a very tough stretch of uh, stretch of games there for uh 
for the San Diego Chargers. And of course, if the uh, if the Patriots the Patriots are going to need this victory, as you said, they need to come out and pretty much sweep the table in hopes that they get uh, they get that home field advantage that they need. Uh, otherwise, the Patriots are going to become huge fans of the uh, of the San Diego Chargers. But then you sit there and you wonder, uh oh. If the Chargers beat you head to head, do you lose out on your uh, your play uh, your head to head matchup there, your tiebreaker there? So the Patriots really need to uh, come forth with a a big effort right here. And we talk about it each and every week. What do they need to stop? You got to find a way to stop Philip Philip Rivers. You got to find a way to you know slow him down. The last uh, couple games, he's completed seventy four percent of his passes on the season. Uh, he's thrown for 3,200 yards, completing 69% of his passes, 25 touchdowns to only 10 interceptions. Uh, Keenan Allen and Antonio Gates are going to be the guys that he's going to target. Those are the guys he targets the most. Uh, Antonio Gates is the one that I'm really looking at, wondering what the Patriots are going to do, because we've seen it in the past that the Patriots have a hard time defending the tight end, and we're looking at Gates, who is one of the better all-time tight ends. Yeah, that's been an area that they've really struggled with is defending the tight end. I expect to see Jamie Collins on Antonio Gates for most of this game. You've got Devin McCourty playing center field, so there's your help over the top. And Bill Belichick has talked in the past about how some weeks it takes them a while to come up with their game plan and how they want to attack an opposing offense. And in some weeks it's pretty straightforward, and they look at the matchup and know how they want to approach it. I think that's what this game is falls into that category because for me it's Darrell Revis on Keenan Allen it is Brandon Browner on Malcolm Floyd Kyle Arrington who hopefully is healthy enough to play this entire game on Eddie Royal who's a very effective slot receiver and then like I said Jamie Collins on Gates McCourty playing center field one person who's going to be interesting to see whether or not he gives it a go Jeff is Dante Hightower who banged up his shoulder at the end of that Green Bay game. He finished the game, but from the footage I've seen of them practicing, he barely moves his right arm. Even when stretching sometimes, he tries not to move it whatsoever. So they might decide it's in their best long-term interest to give Hightower the game off, which would be a huge blow to the defense. Would be a very big blow to the defense. Hightower is playing extremely well right now for the New England Patriots. Of course, he wears that coveted green dot as the play caller out there. Um, and he's really, I mean, the Patriots, if you look at it as as basic, they basically just play, you know, two linebackers, two by-name linebackers in, in Hightower uh, and, and, of course, Jamie Collins. You could call uh, Akeem Ayers an a, a, a outside linebacker. He's played there uh, as, as well as uh, Rob Nikovich. Um, but they also are end-of-the-line rushers. So these two guys are very important to this team. However, I look at this game and I look at the the way that um, the San Diego Chargers are put together, and they don't run the ball extremely well. Now they have got gotten Ryan Matthews back, uh, but I don't think he's the type of guy that can take over a game. I think you're going to see a lot of subsets here for the Patriots, and you're right, the Patriots are a little banged up right here with Hightower. Uh, you know, with Kyle Arrington, you know, nursing the ankle. And then, of course, on the offensive side of the ball, we have Julian Edelman dealing with that thigh uh, issue, and you have um, Brandon LaFell with the shoulder. Some injuries that show need some monitoring right there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so it makes it even more unfortunate that Aaron Dobson plays four plays against Green, Green Bay and blows out his hamstring. Just shows the signs of a young player who's still a bit immature as he wasn't ready to go when his name was called. And looking at the defensive side of the ball, another name to watch. Like you said, Jeff, you're absolutely right that it's going to be a lot of sub-defense for the Patriots. San Diego primarily operates out of three receiver sets. And Ryan Matthews and Brandon Oliver might not be the greatest running back duo in the world, but both are effective coming out of the backfield, especially, especially Oliver, who is like Darren Sproles' light. So the Patriots are going to have to be able to check him as well and do a good job of containing him and swarming to him when he does catch the football. Yeah, that's another thing that the Patriots are going to have to do is stop that uh, running back catching the ball out of the backfield. They've been able to kind of you know hem it in the last couple of weeks, but that has always been the tight end and the running back out of the backfield have been uh, you know killers for the Patriots. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what happens that way, and I'm also looking to see if the uh, San Diego Chargers decide to to move a uh, Eddie Royal into the backfield the way that the uh, the Packers did um, Randall Cobb. It really seemed to uh, get the Patriots to struggle a little bit in stopping Cobb. I think if you're San Diego, it's absolutely absolutely something that you want to try. However. I got to give the benefit of the doubt to Bill Belichick because fool me once, shame on, uh, I forgot how the saying goes. <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on Thank me. Thank you. Had a bit of a brain fart right there. Anyways, back to the point, Jeff. Bill Belichick saw what happened last week when the Packers put Randall Cobb in the backfield. So I fully expect him to diagram something differently this week. Should San Diego try that with Eddie Royal? so that he doesn't wind up matched up against Rob Ninkovich. Now we have uh, Chandler Jones, who of course uh, has been out since the uh, victory over the Jets. He's made the the trip with the New England Patriots to San Diego. Um, he's had limited participation. Your eyes, any thought that he plays this week? For most of this week, I didn't think that he'd be ready to go, but it seems like he is going to play. Now, how many snaps is a different story, but I, my prediction right now is that Hightower sits, Chandler Joes plays, at least sparingly, and that Akeem Ayers is the one who gets bumped up into Hightower's role at linebacker, and then you've got Jones and Easley, and even Zach Moore might be active for this game. So that's where I expect them to fill in for Ayers' role on the line and Hightower at linebacker. I agree with you there. I uh, I actually think Chandler Jones plays this game, and this is one of those games that he's not going to get ninety, you know, ninety to ninety-five percent of the snaps. But I could see them working him in as a sub rusher, a way to get in and disrupt uh, Philip Rivers. Of course, they didn't get, uh, you know, they had sacks against Aaron Rodgers last week, but consistent pressure is more important to the New England Patriots than sacks and getting a guy off his game. There were times where Aaron Rodgers had forever and a day to throw. You don't want that to happen with Phillip Rivers. While Phillip Rivers is not exactly the same athlete that Aaron Rodgers is, he still is an accurate passer. Of course, he's completed almost 69% of his passes this year. So he's still an accurate passer who can hurt you, uh, you know, deep, short, 
and uh, in the intermediate play to a variety of different options. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see what happens there. I would expect that uh, Chandler Jones is going to play this game, and as I said, he's going to be a sub-package rusher to uh, team up with Akeem Ayers and Rob Nikovich. Uh, to see what happens moving forward uh, with that. And that could help lighten the blow a little bit of a guy like Dante Hightower not playing in this game. Yeah, and the other good thing is that Rivers is a statue back there. He's very tough. He will take the hit. He'll stand in there, but he does not move around a lot. And he's going to be a sitting duck for the Patriots if they can just get to him. And like you said, it's not about sacks with New England's defense. It's about getting the quarterback off of his spot, and with Rivers, a guy who doesn't move, that should be easy to do. That's the plan. Make it easy to do, you know? Get him off his spot. Uh, Get the hands up in the lanes. If you cannot get in there uh, to get after the quarterback, get your hands up. Uh, I expect the Patriots to be able to do that. Now, we've talked about the, uh, the Patriots defending the San Diego Chargers, but How can the Patriots attack this Chargers defense? I mean, they're a decent defense right now. Uh, They're 12th in the league in points with only allowing 20.8 points per game. Eighth in total yards at just a shade under 332. Pass yards, they're great. 221 yards a game, good for 7th in the league, and they give up 110 yards on the ground. I'm wondering how the Patriots will attack the Chargers you know I like the running game. You know I love the running game. You sit there and you look at the fact that that, I mean, they're top half in, in, in all defensive stats, but rush yards per game, they're down. I think the Patriots need to commit more to the running game this week. I heard Bill Belichick say we didn't really have chances to run last week and this and that and the other thing, but they still only tried to run the ball 18 times. You cannot win as this team, as is currently constituted, by throwing the ball three three quarters of the time or two-thirds of the time. You need to be closer to that, you know, 60-40 split or or a, an ideal, a 55-45 split. I think the Patriots need to uh, really get moving with LeGarrette Blount and Shane Vereen and see what happens there. And I'd like to see them give the ball to Jonas Gray some more, but he seems to be in that uh, deep embedded doghouse with Bill Belichick. Yeah, he is buried in there. He's got chains around both ankles right now. I don't know if he's getting out anytime soon. Hopefully against the Chargers, they take the reins off Jonas Gray because he looks good in the limited carries that he got against Green Bay as well. He looks great against Indianapolis, which – People are saying, and it's probably true, that you could have put any big back in the backfield and they would have had the similar success. But in the one in the one or two runs that he got against Green Bay, Jonas Gray was effective as well. So I'd like to see him get more opportunities against the Chargers. And I think you're going to get your wish. I think the strategy that the Patriots are going to look to employ against San Diego is the one that they should have used to beat Green Bay, and that is sticking to what's worked for them all season long and throughout Tom Brady's career, where it's quick passing game, running the short offense, and a healthy dose of running this time around, giving LeGarrette Blount and Jonas Gray and Shane Vereen off tackle plenty of opportunities to pound the rock. I agree with you there. One of the things that you really, if you dig a little deeper into uh, into 
the San Diego Chargers and the way that they are defending right now, um, as we said, you know, they're, they're seventh in the league in pass yards against. But if you really look a little deeper into that, they are only averaging uh, 6.8 yards per passing attempt. Uh, that is phenomenal. Anything under seven is extremely good. Anything under eight is extremely good uh, in, in the NFL these days. But their run defense, while it is 14th in the league, they are giving up 4.3 yards per carry. I would like to see a heavy dose of the big man, LeGarrette Blount, and really moving and getting into that more of that two tight end offense. Let me ask you this, Bobby, because we've seen Tim Wright come out and play pretty well. Um, you know, he's got seven touchdowns, catches on the season, 20-plus catches. I'd like to see them use him a little more. And my thought here is with Julian Edelman, uh, you know, dealing with that thigh injury, and of course Brandon LaFell, even though he played the entire game last week, he's still listed on the injury report with the shoulder injury. This could be a time where a guy like Tim Wright could catch more passes. Your thoughts on how the Patriots could use Tim Wright not only as a tight end, but also as a slot receiver and out wide. Yeah, I've been begging for more Tim Wright and two tight end sets all season and this could be a game similar to that Bengals matchup where they really exploit how the defense covers tight ends. Cincinnati put a linebacker on Gronk and a linebacker on Tim Wright and the Patriots exposed that throughout the game. San Diego might do the same thing and if it's not a linebacker on Gronk then it might be Eric Weddle who Jeff if Patriots fans don't know him you're in for a treat. He's one of the best safeties in the league and is really fun to watch. He pretty much has free reign where he's calling in the plays to the defense and then gets to do whatever he wants because he's such a smart player and diagnoses plays so quickly that he's going to be all over the field. He might be matched up with Gronk even for a fair amount of this game. But more importantly, what it does is it creates opportunities for everyone else, I think Gronk could potentially end up being more of a decoy in this game where he is taking most of San Diego's attention and allows players, like you said, Tim Wright and Brandon LaFell and those guys to flourish. Oh, I can't agree with you more there that Gronk, um, while we don't want to see him being a decoy, Eric Weddle, if there's a safety in the league that could match up, it might be him. Uh, he's a very, as you said, very rangy safety, heads-up player. Uh, he leads the uh, the, the uh, San Diego Chargers in tackles. Uh, just a stat correction on my fault there. Um, Tim Wright has six touchdowns, not seven, six touchdowns on the season going into the, uh, the San Diego game here. Let's talk about the forgotten man a little bit here, Danny Amendola. 11 catches, 95 yards on the season. With Julian Edelman being a little bit lame here, uh, you know, with a thigh injury, do you think we see anything happening with Danny Amendola this week? I think it's certainly possible. What seems to be happening so far is that when Edelman gets hurt and comes to the sideline, they bring in Amendola for a couple series, and then Edelman usually comes back. Maybe they extend how long Edelman before coming back into the game this week, something like that. Maybe there's more three receiver sets with Amendola. So I definitely think they're going to try and find ways to get Edelman a breather. Maybe they don't run any jet sweeps this week. Usually they run 
one or two of those a game with Edelman. So maybe they try different ways to just help preserve him this week. That's uh, probably something that you could look at right there. Uh, Julian Edelman not playing 90 to 95% of the game this week. Going back, sitting back, maybe, you know, if the pa- here's the thing. The Patriots need to run more plays than they did last week. They were horrible the first two uh two play two series last uh week, you know, going four and out and then then three and out. They need to establish themselves here. They need to get off to a little bit of a a hotter start and not play from behind and they need to win that time of possession battle and that could be anything from the running game to the short passing game. They need to play to their strengths, and I think that that's one of the things that we is going to be looked at right now. I question Josh McDaniels on everything that he does. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's it's very simple. I think someone sat there and said that he could be named, uh, could be looked at as a Florida coach, and, and I said, good, get him out of here. Um, I, I think he tries to get a little too cute. I think that he'd rather, um, you know, lose pretty than win ugly. I, I just don't like the way that he calls games, but this is a, this is something that they're going to have to do to move forward. Let's talk a little bit here about Shane Vereen because he's been a decent running back for the New England Patriots. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. Something you brought up as as we talked off air during this week was uh, the fact of seeing Shane Vereen running in traditional running sets and and how he was not able to do it, how the Packers were able to bottle him up. Your thoughts on moving forward with Shane Vereen? Yeah, that's going to be another interesting storyline to monitor in the offseason is whether or not Vereen is brought back or if they now thrust James White into his role come next season. But as far as sticking with this season, Shane Vereen's role is primarily as a receiver out of the backfield and being a threat that way. And the wheel routes that traditionally have been so effective for him haven't seen a great deal of success with those this season between he and Brady. So this is another matchup, another opportunity, and there's been plenty of them for Shane Vereen to make a significant impact on the game. Both of us have picked him as our offensive impact player of the week before, and I don't think he's really come through for us in the past. So we'll have to see what he does this season because it's another game where he could easily find himself one-on-one with a linebacker or a safety who's got to come all the way down to him and has a chance to make plays. So we'll see if he can take advantage of that this week. I see. Uh, I, uh, looking at that and looking at the New England Patriots as a as a group, their running backs as a group. Of course, Stephen Ridley tore his ACL and MCL week six against the Buffalo Bills. He still leads the team in attempts with 94. Now, granted, a lot of that has to do with Jonas Gray being in the doghouse as he's stuck on 70. But Chamberlain, only 81 carries this year, a healthy average of 4.3 yards per carry. But since coming over to the New England Patriots two games ago, LeGarrette Blount, 22 carries, 136 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. Give the man the ball and get out of his way. Let the big fella run. And another thing to mention, Jeff, is that this game is on grass where, one, the Patriots have struggled for whatever reason. Maybe it's as simple as quality of opponent. But more importantly, LeGarrette Blunt has been excellent throughout his career on grass. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but 
time and time again. I remember watching him on grass have big games. It looked like he could have easily had another one against Green Bay had they continued to feed him. So I look for them to rectify that mistake come Sunday. Yeah, I think we uh, are both hearkening back to that Green Bay game, and we both feel it was a poorly designed game plan. And, and of course, I talked about plays uh, and how many plays the Patriots can get out there. Last week against the Packers, the Patriots only ran 54 plays. That was their second worst of the season um, for the New England Patriots. Uh, they ran 49 plays against the Chiefs in that blowout loss in Arrowhead. So the Patriots, when they're at their best, they're running a lot of plays. They're running 65 to 70 plays. The Patriots need to be able to do that this week. And the easiest way for them to do that is to get first downs and to get into third and manageable. And that last week against the Green Bay Packers, they were never in third and manageable. It seemed like every time they needed to get a third down, it was third and seven, third and eight. And it was the Packers knew what was coming and they just could not get things going. Another thing I want to look at right here, because last week they were 4 for 10 on the on the game uh, against the Packers. So third down offense and defense are very important for the Patriots. Another thing that I want to look at here is the offensive line. They didn't play a great game against the Green Bay Packers. Um, Brady, you know, was only sacked once. Of course, that sack really hurt. It was after the drop in the end zone by Rob Gronkowski. Um, and it set up a fourth and 18 where they had to take the field goal where uh, Steven Gostowski uncharacteristically missed that field goal. But I'm looking at that offensive line, and Dan Connolly has a little bit of an injury now. How concerned should we be with Dan Connolly and his injury? Well, I can tell you that it had a significant impact on his performance against Green Bay because Mike Neal dominated him. It was very uncharacteristic of Connolly, and so while there's no way to know for certain, I'm going to attribute much of that to his injury and that bad ankle. We'll see if he's closer to 100% this week and how much more effective he can be because San Diego does not do a good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. In fact, defensive tackle Corey Lejeune leads the team with three and a half sacks and he's not even 100% going into this game. He's got a bad knee. So hopefully Connolly is healthier and able to be more effective because it really did impact the offensive line as a whole and, as a result, the offense as a whole against Green Bay. Oh, exactly. Now we look um, at the tail of the tape here. You've got the New England Patriots coming into this game at 9-3, and three, uh, winners of seven of their last games. Eight games. The San Diego Chargers coming into this game at eight and four, winners of their last three. But looking across the board on the season, points per game, Patriots thirty-one and a half to the Chargers twenty-three point two. On defense, the Patriots are giving up twenty-one point one points per game, and the Chargers giving up twenty point eight points per game. So it looks very even on the defensive side of the ball. The Patriots, of course, have the edge on the offensive side of the ball. Let me ask you this. How can the San Diego Chargers put a hold on the New England Patriots scoring more than 30? Well, I think the key is if they can stop them on third down. If San Diego can do that 
and force the Patriots into three and outs or hold them to field goals in the red zone, just as the Patriots were able to do to Green Bay, then they've really got a fighting chance, especially given that the game's at home. It's going to be a rowdy crowd that can give them some extra energy, a little extra momentum. So if they can do that and hold the Patriots from getting into the end zone, and then on offensive, if they can hold the ball and they're able to establish a bit of a run game and Rivers gets going, exploiting the Patriots' coverage against tight ends, most notably Gates, and is having success hitting his running backs out of the backfield. Maybe Kyle Arrington's health is a factor and Eddie Royal getting going. So while I don't expect Keenan Allen, if he's matched up with Revis, to have much of an impact, San Diego has plenty of other options, and if they can take advantage of them, then they really could win this game. This one comes down to me to whichever tight end has the better game, whether it's Rob Gronkowski or uh, Antonio Gates. We talked about it going back uh, when we talked about the Broncos coming in here to Foxborough. I said uh, who would have the better game, whatever tight end had the better game, uh, would, win that, would win that game. And, of course, Gronkowski um, had a better game than Julius Thomas. I'm looking at this. I'm saying I think the Patriots can – have a very good offensive game plan if they get the running game going using the play action pass. And we talked about Rob Gronkowski being a decoy. I also think he could be the type of guy they're going to need down by the red zone. And I'm going to, I'm expecting big things out of Tim Wright this week. I think Tim Wright could actually be the difference in this game in how he attacks the, uh, he attacks the San Diego Chargers. He's a matchup nightmare. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Let's start getting, winding this down a little bit, looking at the matchups here, Bobby. And I'm going to ask you first who you think is going to be the offensive and defensive player of the game, and then we'll move on to our scores. Yeah, looking at the offensive side of the ball first, I'm with you on Tim Wright. I'll let you claim him. So another player who I'm going to go with him again, and hopefully he rewards my faith in him, is Shane Vereen. Just like Tim, right, he's going to see similar matchups, whether it's a linebacker or a safety, and should be able to exploit that, given that they're not, neither one of them is going to see San Diego's best coverage linebackers and safeties. So both of them have the potential to have a big game this week, especially Tim Wright in the red zone, and we'll see what Vereen can do, and maybe he's even successful running the ball off tackle this week. Defensively, Jeff, the player that I look for to have the biggest impact is Jamie Collins because, in my mind, he's the one who's primarily going to be matched up against Antonio Gates. And if he can defend him well and take away San Diego's number one option, then that is huge for the Patriots' defense and bodes well for a victory. I look, uh, I look at you right there, and I agree with you 100% on Jamie Collins. I think he is the key to the New England Patriots defense this week, especially with Dante Hightower, whether or not he plays Sunday night listed right now as questionable. Uh, no one has been ruled out. I look at uh, Jamie Collins, and he is really going to have to step up and, uh, and be the player that they need him to be, uh, take, um, taking out Antonio Gates. We remember how great he had uh, a game against the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs last year. I expect Jamie Collins, who's really been playing well as of late, to really step it up. I did mention Tim Wright on offense, but my offense is a player of the game for the Patriots. It's going to be LeGarrette Blount. 
I said it. Give the give the big bo- guy the ball and let him get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Let him run. I think this is a game that LeGarrette Blount can take over. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And after what happened last week against Green Bay, I expect the Patriots to run the ball significantly more, and I expect him to get most of those carries. All right, Bobby, it's come that time. What are your predictions for a score for the Patriots versus the Chargers on Sunday night? I expect New England to rebound with a victory. I'm going to go 34-21 to 21 Patriots. I like that score. I don't think that they get that big of a, a, a margin of victory, but I like a 28-21 to 21 victory for the New England Patriots uh, and getting back on the right foot before having to play the Miami Dolphins next week in Foxborough. Of course, the Patriots have four games left to go in the season, standing at 9-3 and three right now. I'm going to tell you, 12-4 and four is not going to get you that first round by, ladies and gentlemen. You need 13-3. and three. You need to be moving into that uh, that um, playoffs at, uh, at a good pace. And I think the Patriots can do it. Uh, that was a tough game last week against the Green Bay Packers, against a tough opponent in a tough environment. And the Patriots, while they didn't play their guest, best game, they still held their own and had a chance to win at the end. Bobby, we've given our scores. There's just one more thing I'd like to really talk about. And we mentioned him at the beginning of the um, beginning of the podcast. It's Aaron Dobson. Unfortunately for this young second-year player who had a, a very decent first year uh, in the league, um, even Brandon LaFell has come out and say said that Aaron Dobson helped him get acquainted to the New England Patriots offense. I'm beginning to think that this year was lost with that foot surgery that he had, and now, of course, the, the hamstring injury. Um, you know, you'd like to see this kid be out there playing. It's a lost year. Do you think this is the end of it for Aaron Dobson in New England, or do you think if he plays the way he's capable of playing, if he puts in the time in the offseason, do you think he could be that outside threat that the New England Patriots were hoping for? Yeah, believe it or not, Jeff, him going to IR has not changed my expectations of Dobson whatsoever. He missed most of training camp, and so I just figured a second-year wide receiver in this offense, this season might be a wash for him. He's probably not going to have too much of an impact. Brandon LaFell emerged and took that position, that number two receiver spot, and has been incredibly effective as the Patriots' ex-receiver. So then he became a backup, and it just seemed even less likely that he was going to do anything this season. This injury is unfortunate, but he should be he should have a whole offseason this year to train, get his body right. Hopefully he's in a better state mentally because he still showed some immature moments this season including what led to the hamstring injury in Green Bay, and that was not being ready to go when his name was called. So it's all going to come down to how much work he puts in this offseason, but I still believe that he has a chance to make an impact here in New England. I actually think him ending up on the IR is best right now for Aaron Dobson. It allows him to heal up. It allows him to get ready for the off season and hopefully he's hitting the uh, uh, conditioning program hard in this off season to become the type of player that they thought they were getting 
Art Marshall uh, in the second round. And, of course, he did have 37 receptions last year for over 500 yards and four touchdowns. So this is a kid who can play in this league and can play fairly well. All right, so for Bobby Kravitsky, I am Jeff Kane. This has been Patriots Beat. Join Patrick Shankauer after the Patriots game live uh, for the CLNS Radio Patriots postgame show. And, of course, you can call in 347-215-7771 after the game on Sunday night. Hopefully a victory for the New England Patriots. Until next week, see you at Go Patriots. Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.